So what have I gone rogue? As um, Butter said earlier on, and I clearly didn't communicate it quite well enough to him, that today I'm stepping us out of Mark to just talk about something different. And I'm doing that because um, as I was on holiday on this six weeks, I, I really felt something just stir in my spirit. I felt like God started to talk to me about, about an area of life in the church um, that I couldn't put down, and I felt uh, compelled uh, to to bring uh, this morning um, for the church, because I believe that it's something God wants just to catch us up afresh in, a part of um, this great calling, this great life that he's won for us, um, that he wants us to catch, catch us up in again and just ignite a fresh passion, enthusiasm and a life here in Freedom Church. So hopefully we'll be able to convey uh, what it is that I've really felt stirred about um, for us as a church for this coming year. And essentially what I want to talk to you about this morning is fires, relay races and Amazon Prime. Okay, and I do hope that makes sense by the end of this next 20 minutes. Yeah, as if Matt. So let's start with, let's start with starting fires. We're going to be in 2 Timothy, just a very small verse. If you do want to turn your Bible there, I will flick the, the Bible verse that I'll be using later on up as well. So fires. I know fires are some things that some of you will relate to a lot. You love to start fires. Do you know, basically it comes down to this. Over the holidays, I lit a lot of fires. Um, on the evenings on the campsite that we were staying in, uh, for a couple of weeks with the family, there was this great little place with stones around it where you could light a fire um, and really get warm on the evening. Do you know, so we had loads of lovely times with friends sitting, talking around the campfire, drinking a beer. Um, we toasted marshmallows, and when it really got going, we got to to cook some lovely uh, meat on the fire. It was just a great time. My idea of heaven, um, and doing this most nights, I learned a lot about starting fires, as you would imagine. And the main lesson I learned was that getting a fire going from scratch takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And in fact, it can be a real pain in the backside. I think one night I must have thrown about 50 matches at this, getting it going. Now, the real fire starters, you were saying, why did you use matches? That's cheating. You should have used that flint and and everything. I was using matches, and I felt manly doing it. But it's not like turning on a gas hob, you know, click, boom, get the steak going, eat, all happy, jobs are good. You have to start very small and delicate, building slowly, dry grass, bark, to take up a spark, twigs, small logs, and you have to keep blowing and fanning right into the heart of it over and over again to cause enough oxygen to get into the embers so that they generate enough heat to eventually burst into flame. These blows start little, but after a while, they become big ones that make it look like a moment. For a moment, you've blown the embers that were there away and get you dizzy as you stand up because all the oxygen's gone. And as you're doing this over and over, you're getting smoke in your eyes, you're getting grass on your knees, The kids are getting hungry and there's usually a couple of experts around going, oh no, you're doing it wrong, that's not going to work, mate. Could be doing it better. And half the time, just when you've got it really going, just at that point where the flames are starting, you're going to get distracted. You take your eye off it. Your kids would need a wee. They've hurt a knee. 
You'd left something in the car and the fire would dwindle and fade. The earth, the other half of the time, the first big log you would put on that would look like it was about to go up in flames would actually collapse the fire and stifle everything that you'd done, all that hard work in getting it going. And you'd have to start again. And really fanning a fire into flame is hard work. And do you know what? As Christians, with a desire to truly show the world the incomparable love and power and might and victory and all of those things that we have been worshipping and praising Jesus for this morning that he's won for us, this is something that we really need to understand. That fanning a fire into flame takes time and is hard work. Why is that? Do you know the letter of 2 Timothy is a great letter. It's full of incredible stuff. But unlike a lot of the other letters, for me, as I read it, it comes with uh, like actually quite a sadness as you read it, an emotional finality to what Paul is saying here. Because this was Paul finishing his great leg of the relay race. These are some of his final words that we've got document as he was waiting execution in Rome and he was coming to the end of his ability to live out the great commission that Jesus and God's Spirit had given him, saying, go and make disciples. Preaching the gospel of Jesus. Teaching others to follow the way of Jesus. Building the church family of God. All those things that Paul devoted his life to were coming to an end as he wrote this letter, meaning that he was no longer able to do any of these things himself anymore. So in this book, he's doing what we all have to do and are called to do in our lives, and especially at the end of our lives. He is passing on the baton, like that, so you know what it is to those who will be running the next leg of the race, to those who will be carrying the gospel further, to those who will be discipling the next generation, to those who will be growing the church, youth. Youth. (laughs) Hey, youth. Hey, youth. It's a baton. We've got to pass it on to you. We've got to do it as a church. I'm going to start by just asking you to pass this round, actually. And as you do, as you do, I want you just to ask the question in your spirit, who and how am I passing the baton on to? Could you just keep passing that, actually, as we go round this talk? And if you see anybody start to drift off, (laughs) run over to them and make a scene. And in this case, Paul was passing it on to a younger man, Timothy, his uh, spiritual son, somebody who he had put into and raised up in Christ throughout his life. And what Paul is saying throughout this letter as he writes it to him is grip tight to these key essentials as you run on. As I can no longer run by your side, hold on to these key things. These are the things, my son, that I want you to grip tight to and pass forward. 
as you run your leg of the race. So after standard introductions and prayers and him expressing his confidence that the Spirit lies within Timothy, we get to the verse that I want to focus on today. The very first foundational thing that he has to say and pass on to his son is this. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7 I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave you this a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I remind you to fan into flame. This is the first thing that he wants you to remember as he passes on the baton, the great Apostle Paul. I just want to spend this morning just breaking down this statement a little bit because there's quite a lot in it that we really need to get hold of as we now run our leg of the Great Commission relay race. So so what do we find in this statement? Firstly, it's this. God gives gifts. So I've had a uh, I've had a great week. Sometimes you come to church, don't you, off the back of a, a difficult week, a challenging week. Um, this week hasn't been that. It's been a phenomenal week for me because I had a phenomenal bit of news this week. I went to uh, my dad's results session on Tuesday. And for those of you that know, my dad has been struggling with cancer for the past year. Um, he's had some very invasive operations. He's had a lot of really full-on chemo. It's been an aggressive form of cancer. And at the beginning of the summer, just before we went on holiday, um, I had a message that there had been an MRI scan and it, it had come up with some news that it had returned. They thought it had returned. They needed to do one more scan to uh, to confirm or deny this. And we got to this meeting. And actually, in this room that I've been in three or four times, we've only heard bad news. So my heart was braced for it. And the doctor comes in and straight away she smiles and she says, do you know what? It's been a success. We think, we think we've got it all for now. So no, there's no guarantees, but for now it's been a success. And do you know what? what? What a moment. What a moment. Just my dad, my dad, whose mood was like this, hope returned to him instantly. He was like, I can see the way through. And for the first time I saw him shed a tear. Uh, he's too manly to want me to share that sort of news with you, but that happened. So it's a great moment, and I just want to thank you, actually. Some of you have, I know, been praying through it. We've prayed as a church for his well-being. I know, like Barry and Ruth, you never fail to ask me each week, how is your dad? It's almost the first thing you ask me. Thank you, actually. I have felt deeply loved by this church as I've gone through with my family, something that's been hard, so thank you. So I want to share that news. But what was great about this whole waiting process, as as you know, I love the NHS, but you do have to wait round for your freebies. So we were in the we're in the the waiting room, waiting, not knowing what this is. And what's really interesting about my dad is he wasn't even his mind wasn't on the uh, the coming results at all, or if it was, he didn't show it to us. Actually, he spent his time in this waiting room expressing his father's heart, catching up with me and his sister, finding out what had been going on with us. And I talked about a, uh, a challenge that I recently did, and Pete tried as well, or tried to do, uh, where we tried to walk the Welsh 3000s every peak over 3000 metres in Wales. We failed. Um, we failed because of reasons uh, like fog and things like that, and maybe a lack of planning. 
But, but I, as I was, as I was talking, no, that's not true. No, we had some, we, had, we knew our way. And, um, and anyway, while I was up in the, while I was up in these, I was chatting to him about this and chatting to him about why, why I failed. My, my dad started asking me questions. Well, what would get you around next time you try? What would, what would do this? And I, and I mentioned, oh, you know, like I'm sure I was thinking about this, thinking about this, thinking about maybe a GPS. And he's like, right, I'm going to get you a GPS. It's like, dad, you, you can't get me. You can't get me, dad, listen, there's more things seriously here that are important than doing that. He's like, no, I really want to buy you a gift to help you achieve what you want to next time. I was like, all right, dad, well, let's, let's just see. And I, I actually really struggled with this offer of a gift in the moment. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to receive like, what he wanted to give me. Look, uh, you know, dad, we're waiting for these results. You know, like we've, we're not expecting great news. It's, it's lovely that this is concerning. It's just, just, just put it down. We'll leave it to one side. Thank you for expressing that. You know, I love that you care about my hobbies. Do you know, but it's, it's also pretty expensive, Dad. I don't, I'm not sure. But he was, at that moment, and has been since, insistent that he wanted to get me a gift to help me achieve this challenge the next time round. And on Friday, through the post, arrived at GPS. And it's cool. And I'm sure it will really help me navigate it with a bit more planning. Do you know, for some reason, this, this can be really contentious. That God wants to give us gifts. That he is a good father who cares about giving us gifts, like my dad wanted to give me gifts this week. That he wants us to succeed at the mission that he's set us on. And so he gives us gifts that will help us achieve that. And actually, in other places in the Bible, there are these wonderful lists, aren't there, of the types of gifts that he wants to give out. The gift of being able to exhort people, be able to encourage, lift, challenge people. Gifts of being able to give generously to people. Gifts of leadership. People to say, hey, we're going this way. Come along with me. Gifts of being able to show mercy to people who don't deserve it. Prophecy. Being able to listen and hear the word of God and speak that out to his people into the moment or things that he might want to do for the future. Service. Being able to serve others in a servant costly way. Teaching. Being able to go into the word and draw out its riches for other people. Administration. Praise God for the administrators out there. To be able to organize things so that they work. Apostleship. Discernment. Tell us something's good or bad. Faith having specific faith for tasks that he has set his people. Healings. Healings. Being able to go over to the sick and pray for them and see them healed. Helps. Knowledge. Things that you wouldn't otherwise know without the Spirit. Words of knowledge in other places. Miracles. Prophecy again. Teaching again. Tongues. Being given a... Language of the Spirit to build you up when you feel down in God. Or to be able to praise out when you don't know what to praise. Well, when it comes with an interpretation, can lift a whole congregation to praise. Wisdom. Knowing what to do. 
know what to do. It's not a, a religion of, of laws, is it, that Jesus sets out before us. Sometimes there's no clear path and it needs the applied wisdom of God. There's a gift there. They're all there, given by God, we're told. These are the things, these are the satnavs that he wants to give us to help us achieve the mission that he has set us on. And Romans 12 tells us to use these gifts enthusiastically. Corinthians 12 says they are all of worth, all of them. And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says you should eagerly and earnestly desire them to be part of your life. Do you know, God gives gifts. He wants to lavish us with gifts. Yes, sometimes we can be like me with my dad and his heart. Do you know what? Lord, that's nice, do you know, but there's more important things. But you don't really want to give me that. I don't, or I don't see it's worth right now. There's something else going on. No, I want to give you a gift so you succeed. Eagerly desire them. What does eagerly desiring something look like? Oh, yeah, I kind of, kind of wouldn't mind that. No, it's, you know, I really long for that. I can't wait for that to happen. I'm chasing God for that. God gives gifts for the race. Grab hold of this. See that they're good and let your heart brim with excitement and desire for them. That's the message of the Bible. What else does this small verse say? I think it does say that. Do you know there's a strange line in it, isn't there? Especially if you're new to Christianity or not a Christian, Christian, which is that this gift from God was in him through the laying on of Paul's hands. So which is laying in you through the laying on of my hands. What is he talking about here? Do you know, like I know in some areas laying on of hands means some sort of Glaswegian kiss, doesn't it? Did he punch it? Or was he doing some kind of weird mime act on him? Laying on his hands? Or did he did he get him to lay on his hands? Please lie down on my hands. Let me tell you, if uh, I ever ask any of you to lay on my hands, you need to speak to Chris, Chris or Dave Holden immediately. <laughs> What Paul is actually pointing to here is that often God gives gifts a bit like Amazon gets things into our hands. Where the Holy Spirit takes from God, takes from his warehouse, if you like, gives it to another to pass on to the person whom it's for. To physically get it to its location. Just like a delivery driver takes from a depot of resources and brings it physically to your door. And prayerful, appropriate laying on of hands, like you actually saw when we got round Jess just then and prayed for her, is the way he delivers it in the Bible. Or one of them. How's this work in practice? Well, God may well speak to Chris about a gift of healing he wants to give to Tobias. He may give you, Tobias, a Gideonite view or a David's view of someone else, what God wants to bring them into, and ask you to go 
and pray for them. He might give words of knowledge to Heidi that only God could know that will unlock somebody to the gospel. Do you know, I don't think this is exclusively like this in the Bible. There are examples of where God can just give gifts to people. I think like where he gives Paul his calling to be an apostle. But it's clear in scripture, and this passage is an example, that God likes to use Amazon delivery men to capture us all up with the wonderful joy of others receiving gifts that help with the race and help with our part of the relay race. Tonight, I honestly think one of the things that can stifle the life of the Spirit as God intended it in the church and as we read about in the New Testament is us not being prepared to be Amazon delivery women and men for God. I mean, it was clearly the heart of the early church that they would use their gifts. Do you know, that's why 1 Corinthians 14 has to say, do it in an orderly way, only bring only bring two or three tongues with an interpretation. Let's keep the prophecies just orderly. It's because everyone was going for it with the gifts that God has given them, and they just needed to bring some administration to that to help it work right. They really wanted to take from what God had given them and make sure that got to its destination. I don't actually think this is always our issue, the issue of disorganization in the church with this. I think it's probably that we're often reluctant to play this role of delivery man or woman of the gift. So we just stockpile what he has for others in our house and it never gets there. Because I don't know what it is. I don't know. Do we trust, not trust God enough sometimes? It's a challenge. But God wants to use Amazon delivery men and women. Do you know, the second thing that this verse shows us is this. God wants to use us to deliver gifts to other people. To prayerfully pass on the gifts of God. To be the spark and the flame of something wonderful and spiritual that he wants to give to another. What's the final thing? final thing is this. Once given you have to know how to start a fire with your gift. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. You know, every spiritual gift that I've ever been given has started like a delicate fire. It really has, tentatively. When I started speaking in tongues, a few nervous, slightly weird sounds came out from my lips that felt very strange to me. And now I'm so glad for this gift because because whenever my spirit is weak or I feel knocked, I can return to this wonderful gift that God has given me and I can have my spirit built up again as I pray in tongues to him. When I first prophesied, I was terrified and unsure And I'm sure it came out as nonsense. Yet years on, many have said thank yous to me. Not all the time. As I've stepped out in what I felt God has been saying for them. And they have 
felt encouragement come back into their life as they've received it, where they have been discouraged, where they've heard the, go- the voice of their Father in heaven who loves them deeply and intimately. When I started teaching the Word of God, I was rubbish at it. I was so jealous of Amanda the other week who just stepped up and smashed it. <laughs> Do you know, it nearly got snuffed out a number of times, actually, my desire to preach. Discouragement is the primary reason preachers stop developing and going on. It was so timid in me. And now I'm awesome. (laughs) Oh my goodness, how many of you did I just lose then? Not at all, but there's been growth. Thanks, Deb. (laughs) I'm encouraged. And at times, do you know, I've taken my eye off each of these gifts. I really have. And they could have gone out. Or they could have been easily smothered and snuffed out. I think sometimes we're too quick to snuff out the spark of a gift as well in other people rather than to create an environment that encourages and can flourish in it and they can maybe get it a little bit wrong and we can just help shape and encourage it out of them. Do you know, and I've read other testimonies of Christian leaders where their experience has actually been the same as mine in terms of receiving the gifts God has given him. For both John Wesley and Terry Virgo, they describe being given the primary gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give to everybody in this way. John Wesley didn't describe it as I was instantly on fire and aflame. He described a strange warming sensation as the Holy Spirit came to dwell with him. Terry Virgo describes feeling nothing just taking it by faith because the Bible said because he'd asked, God has given. And both of them went on to move wonderfully and powerfully ablaze in the Holy Spirit in their lives. Do you know, and all of these experiences make perfect sense in line with what Paul is saying here, which is that spiritual gifts work like fires. They have to be blown on, nurtured. They have to be fanned have to be worked at, used at, in order to burst into flames. And if we take our eyes off them, smother them, prevent them from even getting the oxygen and space they need to get going, they can quickly die. They need us to work at them, to take them to a place where they really display the love and power of God that he wants them to. Where you become a church that sees regularly the power of God's and spiritual gifts. If we want to see fear drip away from us and the great spirit of power and love and self-control be paramount in us, we have to learn to be fire starters. This is what he's saying as he passes on the baton. We have to take hold of the gifts that he's given us, use them and fan them into flame. Let me take you back to fires. You know, fire starting was hard work this summer. It really was. But every time we started a fire, there was a turning point in that fire where the fire went from delicate to blazing. 
where the flames really ignited. They took over. Where the heart of the fire became so hot that anything you put into it was burning up. You could put any log on the fire and rather than be smothered, the fire would catch it, even if it was cold and wet. And it would just become part of the blaze. And when the fire got like this, it became near impossible to put out. One night the fire became so hot that we could barely sit near it and sparks started flying out, scarily overflowing onto the dry ground. And we were afraid, we were afraid that we were going to start grass fires around the campsite. I was told off by Becky. Another night I poured a whole load of water on it just as it came to the end of the day, only to come back to it later and it had dried up all the water and burst back into flame again. When the flames got to this place, it was no longer the fire that was delicate and weak, it was the world around it. Freedom Church, this is our brief time with the baton. And it is brief. Living the Great Commission together. God has given many gifts out here. Tongues, prophecy, teaching, leadership, administration, healing, words of knowledge, generosity, by our Father who wants us to succeed in the race that he has given us. But truth be told, if you'll let me, I believe that a lot of these wonderful gifts that he's given us are in one of four stages right now with us as a church. Unasked for would be one of those stages because we've not fully understood that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to give us powerful gifts to help us win the race. So one of the places I believe they are is unasked for by God. That we've not even started going to him and asking for those gifts. I believe that some of them are brand new. Delicate and need nurturing. But they've just been given. And we have to blow on them and use them. But recognize confidently that he's given them. And create an environment where people can grow in them. I believe that some of them were once ablaze but have now been forgotten and unused because we've been distracted. In church, we've forgotten that there is a place for us to use our gifts where we need to use our gifts. We've been concerned by other things. We've taken our eye off growing in those gifts. We don't look for ways to learn, develop, take the challenges and the opportunities to do those. To practice what God has given us. And we've let the gift dim and start to go out. Or, I believe that some of those gifts have been smothered. Starved of oxygen. By maybe historical heavyweight leadership and discouragement. Theologies that miss God's heart in the purposes of giving gifts have just crushed the starting points of them. Maybe a bad experience of the gifts 
Christians making chicken noises somewhere has meant we've wanted nothing to do with this wonderful thing of God. It's wrecked your heart to eagerly desire the gifts that God has given you. So in our church this year, we're going to bring lots of plans, lots of strategy, lots of rotors are going to need filling this year. That's church life. Our hope, these plans will inspire and challenge you to live out the mission God has called you. But in all of this, I believe that at the heart of this mission, God wants to make Freedom Church and our meetings and our time together like the white-hot centre of a fire. Whereas we fan into flames the gifts that God has given us, it becomes a blazing fire that cannot be smothered, that turns smothered logs into fuel and smothering logs into fuel, that sends sparks outwards that start bushfires, where unbelievers come and, like Corinthians 14.25 says, fall on their faces Worship God and declare that God is really among you. This is what God spoke to me about, I believe, in my spirit. I believe that he wants, wherever you are, whether you fit one of those categories, whether you don't, that I've spoken about, I believe that this year God wants to move you, take you on a journey towards being ablaze in the gifts that he's given you. Asking you, causing you to ask for gifts that you've not asked for previously. To leave behind the things that have smothered you in this area. To remember old gifts. To fan into flame new gifts diligently, knowing they are given from your Father in heaven to use them in worship, to encourage others with them. Be willing to step out in them and turn them from a spark into a blaze. For they're given, where's the baton right now? Anyone got the baton? They're given, they're given that we would carry the baton well. They're given that we would run our leg of the race effectively for the gospel and carry many with us. They're given so that people will know the glory, the power and the love of Jesus Christ. They're given so that people will come into our services and see that God is really amongst us. That's what I believe God wants to do. I want to invite the worship team back and I want to pray. And then if we've got space, I'd like us to be a little bit like Amazon delivery people with each other. I'd like us to look around the room. I'd like us to ask, Lord, what do you have for another person in my family, this church? What do you want to stir for them? What have you got for them? And I'd like for us to pray for them.